Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 47, Episode 19 of SNL with host Benedict Cumberbatch and musical guest Arcade Fire. I'm John Murray, and I'm joined this week by longtime professional SNL blowhard Steve Finn, as well as New York-based funny fella Pat Riley. You can find Pat on the socials at NotPatRiley. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at SNLPodcast.com. All right. Enjoy. Welcome back, Steve. It's always a pleasure, John. How are you? Very good. And welcome back, Pat. You uh, you are quickly becoming a cast regular, so yeah. uh, I'm not going to belabor the point. You're just one of the, the crew tonight. So uh, mm-hmm. glad to have you up. Glad that I can actually uh, host an episode with you on it, because even though yeah. I've been enjoying watching you, I haven't actually been able to interact with you on a cast. So uh, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. This is what this is my fourth time. Thank you for having me back. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, this is the first time we've met. So this is this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting one. I wonder how our dynamic works. I wonder if we have a good back and forth. <laughs> no, it's gonna one be a train way wreck. to find out. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a total train wreck. But we'll, we'll yeah. slog through it. Um, yeah. So it's been kind of a fraught week. Uh, big social issues and political controversies afoot. So um, I figured, you know, in light of the social issues of concern, that it would be best to stack our panel with. Uh, you know, three dudes. Yeah. Um, so it, it's going to be a, a fun episode to break down. I'm not entirely sure what sort of perspective we're going to be able to bring to the conversation, but whatever it turns out to be, uh, I'm just excited to be able to go down that path with you guys. Yeah. Um, but before we jump in, why don't we just do a full spoiler review for Dr. Strange? How, how's that sound? Wanna, okay. Let's start with the final scene. We'll break that down <laughs> shot by shot. Yeah. And then we'll just yeah. work our way backwards. So what sure happens to Doctor Strange? It, so. Everyone's seen it. If you haven't seen it by now, you didn't want to see it. So Doctor Strange yeah. shows up and he's all like... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Who's not Puerto Rican in this and it really pissed me off. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Because whites don't know the difference. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I feel is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That was a hot take. Um, Yeah. Now that we've thoroughly pissed off our full audience, why don't we just barrel forward before we jump into the show? I want to uh, give a plug to the SNL hall of fame podcast because about half an hour before we logged on, um, I got a tweet saying that the episode that Catherine, Steve and I did, with Jamie Dew of the SNL Hall of Fame podcast just dropped. And uh, it was a lot of fun to record. We, we basically ran the gamut of SNL luminaries that we think deserve to be inducted into the SNL Hall of Fame. Um, it, was, it was fun to record, and uh, I can't wait to listen to it myself, but that has dropped. So if anyone just can't get enough of our SNL hot takes on our show, head over to SNL Hall of Fame, check that out. And also, everyone can participate in the voting for the inductees for this year's hall of fame. Um, but that has to happen before May 20th. So if anyone wants to participate in what Jamie Dew's doing over there at the SNL hall of fame, definitely go check out the show, give ours a listen and then go vote, but enough promoting other rival SNL podcasts. Why don't we get into ours? You guys ready? That's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. For the cold open SNL travels back to 13th century England to better understand the Supreme court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And in a rare turn, the week's host leads the sketch. So, Steve, why don't you kick us off? Uh, what do you think of the cold open? Keep it or abort it? Uh, 
<laughs> Definitely <laughs> carry this. a little spicy. That's that's the only that's the only uh, off color joke I'm going to drop on this particular topic. Uh, now yeah. carry on. I would I would do the full nine for this one for yeah. sure. This one gets carried to term. Do your nine uh, pop it. It yeah, it was pretty much invited. Uh, this this cold open, and I'm glad they went there. You know, if you're going to be so brazen to cite a 13th century law from like a totally other country. Uh, yeah, like, of course, we're going to talk about how ridiculous that is. And SNL is just like, well, thank you, because you just made it very easy to pitch the obvious idea of what our cold open should be. You know, it's uh, it's very easy to go back in time and illustrate in a very comedic way how little we knew, uh, what we were wrong about. And, you know, just like that, we turned their argument for it into an argument against it. So uh, I think it was the best kind of commentary to make on it. And it was hilarious to watch. Patrick, what do you think? Uh, man, I was not looking forward to the cold open when the news <laughs> came out this week. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't do another SNL sketch where they're just sitting doing, oh, we're the Supreme Court and we're all in a room and we're just yelling out what the political things of the week were. And I'm like, right. I can't. This was so refreshing. I really enjoyed it. I, you know what? I not even nine months. I would carry it for twenty years and then just leave. That's <laughs> that. That is what I will do. It was so cool to see Benedict in the sketch because how it's always so rare when like a when you're, you're the host is in the uh, in the opening sketch. And I feel like I feel like uh, that is indicative how how much SNL you can see the writers enjoy writing for Benedict Cumberbatch because not only was he in the sketch, he was the focal point of the sketch. It wasn't that he was right. like a character that came in or a character who sat in the chair. Uh, he was like the lead, the leading the sketch. Um, and I think he did a great job. I think it made some wonderful, wonderful points without, um, without kind of, cause the seriousness of the topic is especially like this week. I feel like a, a lot of, a lot of us have been feeling that the world is on fire. And for this to kind of take a step back and realizing how, stupid these people are to be like oh well this is obviously what the benchmark should be i thought was a pretty ingenious way to talk about the topic without kind of insulting anybody or kind of making it a little rough to watch all right well i think you guys covered a lot of ground on that i don't really have a whole lot to add um it always catches my eye when the host is in the cold open Mm -hmm. because uh it it shows confidence it shows that uh, not only is the host feeling like, Hey, you know what? I can do a bit more on my second outing. Like I, I know how the show works now. So put me in coach. Um, so it always gives me a, a, a nice feeling about the trajectory of the show. When you see that the host is game. And when you see that the show is also confident because he still needs to do a quick change and then, you know, compose himself for the monologue and kind of switch emotional gears. And if you're already all adrenaline up and panting from running from your last sketch, it doesn't always help, uh, your monologue. So, um, it's always more exciting when you see someone yeah. be willing to kind of walk that tightrope a little bit. Um, so that was fun. And that's really all I have to say about it. You guys want to talk about the monologue? Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. All right. So for the monologue, little Benedict loves his pookie. Okay, Pat, <laughs> what'd you make of this? A great monologue. Again, I feel like it's a Benedict Cumberbatch. This is only his second time hosting. And you could have fooled me and told me this was his five time his five yeah. his five timer club thing because i uh he's so comfortable on stage he's so sure of where the comedic beats are going um and uh, honestly one of my favorite go-to jokes for any anyone is um 
you know, my mother calls me my full name. Right. The formality. The formality of Benedict Cumberbatch. Actually, my favorite joke of the monologue was uh, when he's like, happy birthday to my wife. Uh, this is for her. It's me, your husband, little Benedict. That's right. a, that's a oh, the one two punch. You got me. Yep. That that really like. But I mean, he was. You know what? I really the 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 monologue for me is always does the host feel comfortable? And if the host feels comfortable, that's always a good sign for the night. And I felt like Benedict Cumberbatch was so late. He just was like everyone were having fun tonight. Let's lay back and enjoy. And I was just I if I I was good. I had a good feeling going into the night. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Steve? This was a great, uh, very well-written monologue, well-performed as well. Benedict really knocked it out of the park. And I agree with Patrick. One of my favorite jokes was him being little Benedict, both his mother and his wife. <laughs> I thought he was, you know, really great. And uh, I really enjoyed his uh, his use of the, the cameras, the, the, the speaking to one camera and then the next. You know, I felt like there was a really good narrative progression there. Uh, a lot of great self-deprecating stuff, you know, his, his closed mouth smile, uh, something you never really think about, but you know what he's talking about when he brings it up. Uh, fun stuff like that made it really, uh, great to watch. Um, yeah, again, I think you guys covered it all. He, uh, he, he sold the material. I think if, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I think the material was a little easy. I feel yeah. like on the mother's day show, they know exactly what they're trying to do with the monologue. And so I don't think that this was as laugh heavy as it could have been if they were freed to just do whatever they were inspired to do for the, the monologue. But as a mother's day monologue, I think that he delivered it as well as anyone could. And you're, you're right. He, he seemed effortless. He did not trip over his words. He was very poised. He hit all his marks when they want to drop into dramatic camera B mode. Um, you know, all of that worked really, really well. So yeah, it was, it wasn't exceptional, but it was very competent. And that, I think that's all I really needed to see. Let's roll into our first live sketch of the evening. On Mother's Day, a matriarch is given a number of increasingly bizarre novelty signs. Steve, start us off here. What'd you think? This is our second outing of this. We've seen this before. Second yeah. outing. Uh, yep. Yeah. And it definitely works uh, with a theme introduced into it to kind of shape it around. Mm-hmm. I really liked the mother centric. Uh, content on these signs so definitely a good way to bring it back make it a little bit different uh you know we're still enjoying all the things we enjoyed about it but now you know it doesn't feel like a retread because we brought it out for another reason uh and 80 is just so great in this great opening uh opening joke you know just that little uh (laughs) you're our mom and it's like i'm your wife (laughs) yeah Uh, just little (laughs) jokes like that you know like They're not necessary, but it's an extra laugh in there. You know, I always appreciate that. But uh, once again, I'm impressed by uh, how they handled this extra challenge because it seems so simple. But like when you're in the moment and you're like, this is live, we have one shot at it. They got to like sort through all these packages. They have to know which one to pick up and hand over. Mm -hmm. Like it's just as, you know, it's one thing to have like your cue cards. Yeah, and know your lines off that it makes me wonder if they're writing on the cue cards. Pick up the orange one now, just just as a reminder. Um, yeah, because I wasn't, they, even, I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, that's a they, good point. Yeah, they and, have them ordered in the bag, and so the cast knows always just draw the one that's on top. 
whenever yeah. it goes back to them. But yeah, still, it's it, there's a lot of moving pieces, and yeah. you hand the wrong side, yeah. the, the whole sketch is going to derail because the cue cards are what the cue cards are. So yeah, well, if they're uh, all in a bag. Like, what if something settles and they get <laughs> re yeah. uh, restructured a little bit? Yeah. No, there's 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 definitely a chance for something to go off the rails with these kind of things where they're proper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I I remember thinking like when it got to the wine bit. And she's like, why don't you have something about, you know, drinking wine? And he's like, oh, one second. And you see him kind of like get confused for a second. I was like, what bag do I pick up? He picks up the right one. But I thought, imagine if he didn't pick up the right one. And then she's reading something that had nothing to do with wine after being set up like that. Like (laughs) live television, baby. Uh, So my props to them for for taking on that added challenge. Yeah, very good. Got anything to add, Pat? Yeah, I I really love the, uh, the sign answering her. When she uh, yes. she goes, oh, it's not that bad. No, it is. It is that bad. That was such a funny <laughs> little touch. These are, I mean, like, I don't think there was a big evolution from the last time yeah. we saw the sketch, but I feel like this is the kind of sketch where that doesn't matter because I think what Steve says, if you theme it, it works. You know, if it yeah. is, it, if it, this is what we're watching is a, uh, you know, a Christmas dinner or like a birthday or Mother's Day, something like that, where it's like, oh, this is, it really, it really is a lot of fun. Uh, 80s reaction is just so funny. She's so funny, and it's it's kind of her wheelhouse of just oh, and it's 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 it will never not make me laugh. Uh, I really my favorite sign, which is I would love to buy if I could just buy that the sign that says "Were your ears ringing?" I was in therapy. That is such <laughs> a good joke. I I immediately was just like I was like I was like. SNL is just losing money if they aren't making some of these signs to sell online, you know? Oh, like, I bet you can get them at the NBC shop, I'm sure. Oh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you stole my note. Uh, if there was something to knock it for, it would be that it didn't do anything that the first outing yeah. did. Um, but when you realize, kind of like you said, this is a, a bag of gags, it doesn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. The fun is in the reveal of the the silly signs and the writers are always going to be able to to come up with some some fun stuff for that. Yeah. Um so it's it's an easy win and actually it's an honorary win because I know that this sketch is very close to Catherine's heart. So I feel as the representative stand-in pinch hitting host of the night I have to at least acknowledge that this has to be an unqualified win just purely in honor of of Catherine. <laughs> this message has been approved by Catherine Coleman. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we covered that. Why don't we take a look at our next live sketch? Two kindred spirits share their folksy traumas during a blue bunny ice cream focus group. Uh, Patrick, start us off. What'd you think? I, I have now watched this sketch three times. I think it's, I laugh harder every time I watch it because I catch a new mm-hmm. detail. Um, so as I was saying earlier, this is a dig at Sam Elliott. This has to be a dig at Sam Elliott. So Sam Elliott, if you don't know, Power of the Dog came out back in uh, November, December for the award season. Uh, right before like the Oscars, Sam Elliott came out and said that's a piece of shit because it's just a sad gay cowboy. Everyone who was involved with the film had to be like, hey, that's your opinion, but your opinion's homophobic. Just heads up. Um, so I really love that uh, that he was just doing a Sam Elliott impression. Uh, and it was so funny. Just... The idea that like it's a focus group, but here are two like like old like country songs of a person kind of like <laughs> <laughs> describing it. I re- I really I really feel what's that? Oh oh my god! It's Keenan Thompson's line of like after Sam Elliott goes into great detail about the you know your brother playing in the the fishing hole or whatever, 
And he just goes, uh, I'm just tasting ice cream. And am I doing this wrong? Is so <laughs> funny. Uh, but yeah, this, listen, let me nap with your hurt is something I'll be thinking about forever. I really, I really, really, really enjoyed the sketch. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Steve? Oh, so good. Uh, so many great lines. You know, I can't heal your pain, but I can give it a bed for the night. Right. All of these, <laughs> all of this. Yeah. Just, so just funny. these, these stoic rural uh, personality types trying to uh, review ice cream of all things. Like they really did a good job of like finding the best product, like, yeah, the softest, like most non-rural thing you could think of, right. possibly. Uh, all these flavored ice creams, and they are like telling these stories that you would probably use to sell a pickup truck or a drill or something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, it's it's so great that they're so misplaced, and uh, that fish out of water element is uh, is always a great direction to go. Mm-hmm. I feel like Benedict was just like, yo, I've put in the work with the dialect coach. Uh, let me bear some fruit from that. Can we do something with yeah. my new Southern accent? <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, let's, let's just give it to give Benedict props because like this entire episode, he is, uh, he's not playing the straight man. He's not playing the, the reactionary role. Yeah. He is the humor and hurt of this episode. Yeah. Um, not to take away from Heidi because Heidi was also quite amazing Heidi's. here. Another great element was the, uh, the leaders, the organizers. Oh yeah. Were facilitating, trying to paraphrase everything they say without all of that extra poetry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, okay, yeah. your tastes like your mother's bosom or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lots of great Stippy's stuff. His mom or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forget it, but yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I think you guys are covering a lot of ground, so I don't, I don't want to just say the same stuff over and over again, other than, um, I just think, uh, Heidi and Benedict's back and forth was just, just delightful to watch. Uh, you know, it, it's always just charming and fun when there's a moment in a sketch where you clue in that this may be the first time in either of these people's lives when they've encountered someone that is on their wavelength and they're being stoic. They're kind of trying to couch all of their emotions in these, um, you know, like rural pastoral themes and statements to not, to not really overplay their emotions. Um, but you can just tell that immediately now there's so much simmering between them and, mm-hmm. and it's just an, an inevitable encounter that's going to, uh, end with these star cross lovers finding each other. And, uh, it's just, it's just delightful. To, yeah. to be able to pull that off in a live sketch and um, just be able to convey so much. If you watch what Heidi does very early on, you can just, you can, you can see how understated and how much she's trying to like hold back and not give too many signals to him that he's laying down something she's picking up. And it's just this, this slow um, word dance that they do yeah. between each other. And as it unfolds, it's just so much fun to watch. And um I don't know. I, I love that kind of writing. It's, it's a lot yeah. of fun to watch and uh, expertly performed and uh, just, yeah, high praise all around for this. This was a lot of fun. This to me was like the first um, real standout moment of the night. You know, we saw a retread yeah. sketch that was fun, but didn't break any new ground. This was one that caught me off guard and I'm like, oh yeah, that's really good work. So high yeah. praise. It did taste a little wet. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving right along. We get our first pre-tape of the night. While admonishing her daughter, a mom conveniently sidesteps the truth of her own youthful indiscretions. Admonishing. Um, 
What a word. Yeah. What a big, I, big I, word. <laughs> yeah. I subscribe to the, um, the doc Emmett Brown school of linguistic jackassery, uh-huh. which states never use a one syllable word. If you can use a three syllable word. So <laughs> that's, that's how I go about preparing my show notes. Uh, regardless, Steve, yeah. um, I'm not going to, I don't actually know if this was written by Streeter Seidel, but it, it lives in the same world as all the other Mother's Day sketches that we've seen. You know, mom gives birth and she's talking about how wonderful it was, but then we see the reality, um, you know, and then, you know, th- there've been a handful of other ones around different holidays. Um, so my hunch is that this is a, a Streeter Seidel joint, but regardless, we, we know what we're in for. Uh, what did you think? Do you think that they scored another home run with these sentimental uh, back and forth kind of? pre-tapes <laughs> yes i'll try to answer that while my cat pushes my camera around mm-hmm. uh, total you pro just, steve you just total stay pro. there cat uh <laughs> so yeah i'm not sure who wrote it either but it definitely was in the vein of of these uh other sketches shorts that we've come to love uh definitely definitely welcome to to go back to these and i thought this was a great idea I mean, of course, of course, this is a thing. Of course, no mother is ever truly honest about how they were at that age. And uh, I mean, they picked the the perfect moment in a mother and daughter's relationship to highlight that. You know, I thought it was yeah. a great idea to make this a fight while while the daughter was grounded and having her, you know, try to, you know, try to talk her way out of it. And every rebuttal that the mother has opens the door to show how she's a complete freaking hypocrite <laughs> right uh but that's what you do you know what are you gonna do say oh that's okay Parenting i, I drank 90, when i was your 95 percent hypocrisy of course <laughs> you don't make your child comfortable with what they're doing mm-hmm. that's that's part of the reason it's so infrequent is that you know <laughs> you instill a bunch of shame on them as is tradition uh but yeah this this is uh this is a wonderful idea and uh cecily played it so well I think she can play any age. Uh, uh, she may not look 17 anymore, but she can certainly give off the energy of a 17 year old. Uh, we've all met that drunk teenager in a field at that age. I'm sure. But yeah, it was cat. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, uh, I think I was done before I was rudely yeah, I, interrupted. I, I think you're done, Steve. All right. What do you got? Pat? <laughs> Yeah, wrap it up. All right, Jesus Christ. I uh I really I like these sketches. These are fun. These are so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I wish that this one was a little different cuz I feel like they've done these beats before of like the the wild mom and like she's drinking at the party and stuff. I uh I really I really uh caught me off what caught me off guard was she was yelling at her teenage daughter, her 17-year-old daughter and her high school and college experiences were clearly the early two thousands. And mm-hmm. I had a moment where I was like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Why, why is it, why is it clear than nineties? And then, and then when they did the grandmother in the seventies, I was like, what the f- are they talking about? And then I remember it. I'm old. I'm yeah. an old man. And yeah. that, that is, that makes sense. How, how history works, like how time works. Um, and that's why I hated this sketch. It <laughs> reminded me I'm old and I will die. And, um, and that's all. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's honestly it's the, the first time I watched the sketch the whole time. I was a little under the influence and I spent the entirety of the sketch, uh, facing my own, my own mortality instead of mm-hmm. watching the sketch at hand. So I have now rewatched it. Great sketch. A lot of fun. 
But uh, I'm for making me rem- re- remember that on Mother's Day, I too will die. So, <laughs> yeah, anytime uh, Chumbawamba is the like vintage soundtrack, it's going to invoke an existential yeah. crisis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. This was fun. This was a yeah. lot of fun. I'm not going to come down too hard on it for being yet another in a line of because, you know, that's that's inevitable. They're trying to do a, a sentimental piece that, you know, talks about the reality of family dynamics. Yeah. And, and, I, and I feel um, like what you said before about the sign sketch about like these you can just this can just it's a it's 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 not a character sketch. It's not yeah. like a place like this is kind of a sketch where like you can do the same sort of beats and they can still be different. So, it's a desk yeah. piece, yeah. essentially. If, yeah. if you don't expect it to hit highs that the others didn't or, you know, exceed the highs of the previous ones, then this was perfectly good. I like that they introduced like a third generation to mm-hmm. sort of bring everything full circle with the mom when she was a kid, uh, you know, yelling at grandma. And then you see grandma at the David Bowie concert. Um, you know, that that's fun. That's that's uh, just enough to keep this fresh enough that these are still welcome. Um, yeah. So I had fun with it. This was just more more solid work from snl so uh so far so good let's uh keep rolling here and take a look at our next live sketch the members of a georgia chain gang sing about their respective lots in life uh pat kick this one off what'd you think uh i i didn't love this one i didn't hate it it definitely i felt like i don't know about if you guys but i felt the pacing was off a little bit like it was it was uh it it kind of meandered a bit um, for for me anyway, I, I feel like okay. we didn't get to the game until about a minute in, which is a little slow. Uh, and I, I again, I didn't hate anything about the sketch. I just thought it was meh, and that's not a bad thing. I, I, I again, like there there have been episodes of SNL where what I think is the worst sketch of the night is maybe one of the worst sketch in decades. This was not that. This was very much kind of like a it had funny moments, but as a whole, it's not a very memorable sketch. Okay. Steve, you got anything to build on that? Um, maybe I liked it slightly better. Um, there's, yeah, there's uh, definitely something to be desired in how it was escalated. There was some attempt at escalating this, um, you know, this better life he's carved out for himself by selling out his fellow inmates. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the uh, <laughs> sleeping with the warden's wife was a strange turn, but uh I don't know. It was, I guess it was acceptable. Uh, it, it was just fun to hang with the boys and, and like hear them sing. Like that song was actually pretty catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love those kind of spiritual work tunes. And uh, yeah, uh, Benedict was, was great with, you know, the, the nonchalant, just pie eating. Uh, yeah. The, the other intimates just seem to be a little too accepting of it, but yeah. I think if they didn't go back to that song, that chain gang song they were singing, like, uh, I mean, that's pretty much what it's written around. Right. So you kind of got to do that, but it was, it was kind of awkward and stilted probably for that reason. Yeah. If, if I had anything to say about this, I think it would just be that I thought the execute, I thought the execution was really well, better than that statement. Um, (laughs) this is a, a musical piece. So timing camera cuts, uh, their own, rhythm as they're doing the the pounding all has to be on beat they have to be in sync with each other they have to be on key they have to have one eye on the conductor who's trying to keep everyone in time off off uh screen uh and then you know you've got the side players who are injecting their dialogue so there's a lot going on here um and 
it's not rare to see these kind of sketches get a little bit messy on SNL. And that's part yeah. of the fun when they break down a bit, you can enjoy that. Uh, cause sometimes it's inevitable. You just, you can't help it. But when one really holds together and, and from start to finish is just very tight. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It, it just feels like you've got a cast that is so comfortable with the, the mechanics of the show and just know how to tackle these sketches in a competent enough way that, they can hold them together. And it's, that's not an easy feat, even for people on the show. Uh, there's still a lot of moving pieces that you got to keep track of. Uh, so at a technical level, I, I was really impressed with how this came together. Um, I did think it was kind of odd that they chose to make everyone kind of affable and comfortable with their respective lots in life. Like none yeah. of the guys are too concerned with the fact that he's selling them out. He's very cavalier and nonchalant about, letting everyone know that he's on, like he's not saying anything in coy terms that needs to be interpreted yeah. he's just putting it all out there and, and they're then, literally repeating it back <laughs> right you know and then, I, like, I, I like, think you, i think that's i think that's such a good point because i feel like that's what was missing for me was there was no stakes there's yeah, yeah. no stakes and, to this at all you right. know yeah and the fact that they continue to undercut it right to the end where now even the the warden yeah. who you would expect would be like i'll get you um you would you just expect there to be something else uh yeah going on to create some tension or something. They just and kind with, of accepted it. <laughs> yeah. Without that, it's, it's fun and there's a little bit of charm to it, but it's forgettable because there, there just really wasn't anything yeah. stronger as, as it's uh, at its core. Um, so yeah, this was not a highlight of the night, but still I thought pretty darn competent for middle of the road fair. Yeah. And it Great. was very on beat, wasn't it? Like the conductor, was. I guess there was a conductor. Oh uh, yeah. Anytime, anytime there's a, a musical cue in a, in a live sketch, they have a dedicated conductor doing this to give everyone a sense of the rhythm. And when they come in, so it's, it's really quite neat. Yeah. Uh, all Arcade the, all the fire pieces that they have, have to be tracking. Them. What? Arcade fire should have used them. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So speaking of arcade fire, this would be a oh. great time to talk about our musical performances. Arcade fire perform unconditional one lookout kid. And then for their second number, the lightning one and two, and then for a, an added little treat, they do a portion of end of the empire one through four during the good night. So we saw a lot of arcade fire. Steve, you're a resident musical dude. Uh, what'd you make of this? Oh uh, yeah. I don't know if I deserve that title. Uh, it's not a, it's this... not a very illustrious title. You're yeah. a resident musical dude by <laughs> de default musical dude. Yeah. Uh, but you like arcade fire at least I like you at least like know the them. band i know them and i enjoy them when i hear them but i don't listen to them actively and i probably should because they are a really great band and uh i'm a canadian they're canadian it just makes sense on paper for uh for as as many like musical elements they have with the, all the band members they have and all the things they're throwing into the the loom of sound if you will you know their songwriting is rather simple and uh, very straightforward when you think about it. You know, the songwriting underneath uh, is is very approachable, and and you know they do add many elements in the in the uh, in the arrangements and whatnot, and that really makes their signature sound. But you know, there's some really uh, great songwriting here without having to go way too out there in you know trying new things when it comes to what people imagine when they think of music. Sure. Uh, when their uh, when their energy goes up, when they speed up on that second song, you know, it was really hard not to tap along. You know, that was yeah. a really awesome rock out energy. 
it's like almost too fast. Like you're like, whoa, uh, <laughs> they, they take it up those extra couple of uh, beats per minute in their tempo there that some other artists might not. And yeah, I think it really gives it an awesome sound and awesome energy. They are so fun to watch and they clearly love doing what they do. Like everybody <laughs> on stage just sounds, they seem like they're, they're exactly where they want to be. So it's, it's great to have. Very good. Yeah. Pat, you got anything to add? Man, I love Arcane Fire. I haven't listened to them recently, but like in high school, they were like my favorite band for a while. Um, like Funeral, that album Funeral was like, I was obsessed with it. Um, but I, I don't think I've heard them in a while. And, uh, I, I did this, this did something that I haven't done with an SNL musical guest in a while as I actually downloaded the album that they were, uh, that they were promoting. I, I went on I, uh, my Apple Music and was like, all right, well, I'll down. I'll listen to this. This is good background music to listen to when you know walking around or doing work and stuff. Uh, good performances. A, I, a lot of them. I was surprised that they got an extra performance at the end. You know, I wonder if they were just running short or or whatever. But uh, it they, it could have been, but a little bit of lore. Yeah, a previous time when they did SNL, they did. I want to say it was a premiere or a finale. I think it was, oh, it was a premiere premiere. and I think Tina Fey was hosting and they stuck around to do an extra set for the in-studio audience after they went off the air. So that might just be a tradition where, uh, as friends of the show and with a history of doing an extra set for the, the in-house people, they just decided to do that again. That's, that's my, they've done SNL. They've done SNL at least a dozen times or something like crazy. Yeah. Because they, cause I, yeah, I, I. They're they're kind of that's where I first heard them was on SNL, um, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, and again, I like their song. Like it wasn't like a, oh they're playing another song. I was like oh great, I this song also sounds pretty great. So there was yeah. a really cool camera shot somewhere in there where I think there was a cameraman on stage with yeah, them. it was a handheld oh, and yeah. he went in between the band and he would do these zooms in on each person as he's turning. Yeah, which was kind of a, a neat effect, and you got a bit yeah. of the audience, so you're seeing what Arcade Fire sees. That was probably the most interesting production element of it. The other production elements, I would say, are questionable at best, like using the the wacky wiggle inflatable man. Um, that was I, I fun. Was, it, sure, it's fun. That but, was stupid, but it was yeah. fun. <laughs> well, that's what I, I mean. Have like, a lot of used car right after because of those exactly, things. it's an yeah. interesting choice. You know, it's not something we've seen on SNL, so props for that. But also to put them in front of the band to the point where it's actually kind of obscuring them in a lot of shots. Uh, I was just, you know, maybe it ties <laughs> yeah. into their tour or their album or something. But um, it it had me scratching my head, like, oh well, that's <laughs> that's just not something you see every day. Especially for the their second number, they just they added to it. Yeah, for their second number, they just draped a bed sheet behind them. So, uh, yeah, they ran the gamut when it came to production stuff. Um. <laughs> My my hot take is they started playing and I said, "Yep, that sounds like Arcade Fire." That's that is all I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Def- right, it definitely did. It definitely sounded like Arcade Fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, let's uh, take a look at weekend update for their lead-in. Jost and Che discuss the Supreme Court's leaked decision regarding Roe v. Wade. Okay, Patrick, what did you make of uh, Jost and Che's opening salvo? Good week, strong, strong week. Quality jokes. Um, the audience was on board for for this mm-hmm. for a majority of the jokes, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this was um, this was just a very well written week, uh, which was the one that I liked the most. Oh man, uh, Chase Chase, uh, I went around the office asking right. women what they thought about abortions, 
And uh, well, I learned a lot from the HR meeting. That's a great, <laughs> yes. just wonderful joke. Um, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. I feel like uh, there there wasn't there wasn't a joke that I feel like most weekend update weeks we get a joke that's like a a, a groaner or you know just f- falls flat. I felt like mm-hmm. this. I felt like this was a strong strong outing um, altogether. So yeah, a good 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 update. Good, Steve. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it made me realize the timing of this episode on this occasion with Roe versus Wade being what's you know what's in the in the news cycle right now. Really, lightning in a bottle. I mean, uh, a, a rare occurrence that invites certain jokes that just wouldn't work without this perfect lineup. You know, it's Mother's Day, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's yeah, great. yeah. You know, like you could never make that joke unless you had this perfect set of circumstances. And uh, yeah, it it led to a really great uh, weekend update. You know, you mentioned uh, a really great joke there with the HR. Uh, You know, we had uh, the leak of their opinion and that being a small mistake that they have to live with. Uh, Really good stuff. Using their own ammunition against them. It's a, you know, really great uh, stands for a comedy show to take. And lots of other great things, you know. Uh, I think I'm going to start calling Giuliani Rumpelstiltskin from now on. That's a perfect mm-hmm. name for him. Uh, conjures up the exact things I feel about that guy. And, uh, yeah, it was just just so much fun to be had here. Very uh, A very, very enjoyable weekend update. Okay. Now, if we hadn't at this point had enough topical stuff about Roe v. Wade. For our first feature, we get Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett stopping by to discuss doing your nine and popping it. Um, <laughs> all right, Steve. So you felt Jost and Shay were able to make hay with the topic of the week. Do you feel like Kate McKinnon was able to? Oh, for sure. I just love the angle they took here because I always feel like, you know, these right wing figures, they always try to downplay, you know, the problems that their ideas and, and what they think should be happening, what, what they would cause basically, uh, you know, just do your nine, the, all this adoption rhetoric and stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, okay. What about the strain it puts on the system? Don't worry about it. You know, give it to, <laughs> give it to the jungle book, uh, people. Lesbians. Lesbians. You're going to love me. I'm giving you so many babies. It's, it's, yes. it's pretty great. Yeah. I, I love it. It just, it, it, it does that. It, it shows, you know, just, how much they misunderstand the 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 way that uh people on the left think uh you know why aren't you liking this you know you should like this you lesbians uh so yeah. much great stuff here and the characterization that kate uh has here is great like she makes her so toothless it almost does the real amy coney barrett a favor because you feel like this version of her doesn't even like realize how destructive and and, and evil uh what she's saying is like this is a version that truly believes what she's saying when you know the real one is just trying to you know silence women for (laughs) for the man basically uh and uh yeah it was you know other than that uh you know it was it was a fun it was a fun outing and uh kate really nailed it you can sometimes complain about kate's characters feeling too similarly similar especially when she's rolled out to the weekend update desk week after week and it's like, okay, well, she only has so many tricks in her bag. But I feel like she's she zoomed into something that was uh, not as regularly tapped into. 
So uh, it was nice to see something genuinely, generally fresh from uh, from Kate. Okay, what do you yeah. think, Pat? Uh, I think I think Steve, you, you you hit it on the head for me, where I felt like this. She was a little too toothless, you know. She was a little too friendly. Where it's, I I feel like she's a real issue in in the world. She's a real she's a real problem. Um and uh and exactly that of just like you know we could say like oh she really wants the best but in reality she's in just an evil psychopath yeah um uh, she's just she's just part of the machine i i liked it i thought it was very funny i i did uh i did like the the this is how the left thinks why don't you like this that is very uh very good and then of course uh we have the beef uh, what a way to end! I love when you can when everyone on everyone in the, the the show knows we don't know how to end this. <laughs> uh, say something silly, and uh, yeah, that's 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 what happened there. And um, but yeah, overall, it, it wasn't. It's not a character I hope I have to see again. I'll say that you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I was not super hot on this for yeah. for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, I. I'm not as in love with SNL's partisanship as some, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're very passionate about a certain issue that aligns with the show's values and they decide they're going to rail against it, then the show's going to get a lot of goodwill and like clapped her because there's, there's an agreement with a lot of the audience. Um, so I feel like some of these pieces exist and I, you know, Steve, you've been doing this cast long enough to, to know what I'm about to say. Um, the political messaging and the activism is the primary purpose and the comedy comes second. And I feel like on a week like this, I understand how we get to this point where half the show is that particular topic. Um, but it's not ideally what I want to see in the show. I want the show to comment on politics or social issues when they've got a really laser sharp focus on something and can really do justice to it. And I felt like Amy Coney Barrett as a caricature, it didn't have much bite or much personality. We've seen Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, we've seen Kate bring stuff to the desk that is potent just as comedy. And then it becomes genius because it's so potent as comedy. She can turn the comedy to make points that are smarter than they should be. And what you end up with is a really inspired piece that says something important. And at the same time, delights with how comedically strong it is i don't feel like that yeah yeah just i'm sorry just to your point john i just want to say they did this weeks ago with cecily and the clown yes yes and to just to to your point which is like you can because i i i think i i this i that's exactly you you hit the nail on the head which this kind of felt like a very kind of late i want to say lazy but like kind of like a easy let's just do her where i you know she's not really in the public eye enough for like to be a caricature. Right. And then they did the clown with, with Cecily and that was brilliant, just brilliant. And, you know, it was, it had the comedy there, but also had a very, 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 very real message. And it came from a place of honesty, you know? Sure. And yeah, this was, I mean, they, she ended with, we have the beef because, you know, why they not? just didn't it's have silly- anything better. To, yeah. So where we're at with the show right now is they, got to um, go in hard right from the cold open Mm -hmm. on this and say a lot of the things that the show wanted to say and even end with giving Kate a moment to effectively break character and say, we're going to keep fighting, right? Like they gave Kate a moment 
to say, look, beyond just sketch comedy, I'm, I have passion for this and I'm expressing that we already got it right in the cold open. And my hope after the cold open was, okay, great. We reset the deck. Now the show isn't burdened with having to comment on this in every sketch. I knew we were going to see it in weekend update. And I figured the most appropriate place for more discussion of this is Jost and Shay. And we got that too. And what I was thinking was, okay, great. You gave us another like one, two punch with Jost and Shay. Now let's again, clear the air because we've had another chance to say what we want to say. Give us something goofy and fun and offbeat that is a little bit of respite from the drama of the week, because whether, whether we're in agreement with what the show's saying or not, we've all heard for the, you know, the last seven news cycles, nothing but this topic. Sometimes SNL has to play the role of um, fun diversion at the end of a long, hard week. And I feel like the features on update after Jost and Che have already been very political about it is a great opportunity for them to give us something goofy and charming and just get us back away from the social commentary. See, and that's John, what I would have wanted. John, I, I disagree a little bit with you because I okay. do feel like it was important to have the desk character address it. My issue was you had the cold open, which was a very mm-hmm. clever take on it. And then you had a uh, the Jost and Che directly talking about it. And I feel like we needed the we needed a metaphor. We needed a character metaphor. We needed something where like closer to the cloud bit from a few weeks ago, where it's here is or or even or even if it was just Kate came out herself or a different character came out herself mm-hmm. and it was we can t- like kind of like how they like how it's just a Pete Davidson's gonna do a set uh on the desk bit about like something. I felt it would have been more effective than kind of like a, a very dry version of someone's famous name because i don't know if that's a good impression that amy could have bear it because i don't know what she sounds and talks like right i've only seen pictures of her and then read shit she has said so it's yeah. not a now, strong enough political character sure. to wrap this bit on and I, I i agree i felt i not not where i'm like hey i don't want to hear any of this i want to i want to laugh i'm like i want to laugh but i want i want you guys to be clever with it because you were already yeah. clever with it you were clever with it earlier in the night that it was a letdown that this is what you went with, you know? Yeah. Now don't get me wrong. If they'd had something really inspired oh, and yeah. it was on this topic, I would have applauded it. The problem was, it seems like they didn't have anything great to provide what you would have liked to, to put mm-hmm. a bow on the whole topic. And because they didn't have anything really great for that, I feel like the right move would have been to pivot. If you've right. got it, you know, yeah. if you've got a character like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or someone and you know that you can score a great comedy win and put a bow on the topic, go for it. That's going to be strong. But to put it in there just because you feel like you got to have more to say and more to say to me at a certain point, you're beating a dead horse. I want some comedy, too. So yeah. that's where I would have said, look, if you had if, if you could bring the heat, bring the heat. If you don't have it, I, I know that there have been some great desk pieces that have been cut this season that could very easily be repurposed. And we have some great. Um, featured players that have a lot of fantastic bits that you could spin up. There were other places they could have gone once mm-hmm. they realized, oh, well, we don't really have much else yeah. that we can offer. That's more of my contention. Not that you can't comment yeah. on it. I just, I wanted something inspired or let's, let's, yeah. let's go in another direction. You could have you had the trendsetter show up, you know, you could have had, yeah. uh, like, uh, like, honestly, I would have loved Bowen and 80 show up and then maybe even 80 pushing Bowen out of the way to talk directly to the camera and being like, <laughs> yeah. this is a woman's day. Like that would have been great. Yeah. But like, you know, um, I, I, I agree. It just kind of, kind of felt, it fell flat. Yeah. Okay. All In right. In other words, so, uh, basically, you know, Kate put away your, put away your piano. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 
the the <laughs> show does a lot to indulge Kate, and sometimes it plays, and sometimes it's a little lackluster. This message is not approved by Catherine Coleman. But we got a lot more show to roll through, so why don't we talk Ooh. about the back half of the show? Yes. We get a live sketch on Lansdowne House. Hilarity ensues when the lady of the house has one of her tiny spells. All right, uh, Patrick, kick us off. What'd Man, you think? first off, any physical comedy is going to get me. I'm a dumb boy. <laughs> sure. I'm a stupid little man. If you <laughs> fall down, great. Uh, this is so much fun. I had so much fun with it. Uh, again, this is something where it's in like Benedict Cumberbatch's wheelhouse. This is something he is very good at. And Cecily just, oh, Cecily, Cecily doesn't get enough credit for her physical comedy. And mm-hmm. her, phys- she's such a good physical comedian. Like this is, this was, you know, not as crazy, but like as silly as kind of like a Gilda Ratner throwing herself against a wall, breaking ribs. Like sure. I, I love that. Uh, I, I feel like the unsung hero of this sketch is Mikey Day. Mikey Day's asides of, I'm also good, thank you. And then when Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> just chasing him around, chasing him around to hit the soup, he's like, please no, no, sir, please don't do this. That, you know, it's, 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 it's really good. Um, uh, I've had a spell. I can, I just, I want to, I'm going to use that in real life, you know? Uh, great, great, fun, <laughs> I, I, funny, funny sketch. Yeah. What'd you think, Steve? I thought it was great. Uh, definitely something for the physical comedy fans. And I just laugh at the absurdity of it because, you know, this, when if you are one to get the fits or whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some uh, some damage done to the furniture, the, the knickknacks, the ornaments. But, like, <laughs> it's meant to be incidental, right? Like, it just happens to be in the way. So being so deliberate with the destruction is is just so funny to me that she's like literally like knocking each cup off of the <laughs> the uh, metal uh, yeah <laughs> just making a meal of it you're like okay like <laughs> you just are going out of your way to break things and other characters are porting it out which i don't know if it needed but yeah you know that's the <laughs> it was very absurd to watch um i agree with mikey being uh, a big part of what's funny about this uh, side note if you pay attention to the first tray he brings out you'll notice that they forgot to take off the price tag sticker from the bottom. Oh. Oh, <laughs> and I'm fine. no historian, but I don't think they had barcodes in 1916. So yeah. oh, <laughs> a little fine. bit of an anachronism there. Yeah. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. This was fun. This was goofy. Not much else to say on it. Um, <clears throat> I was dialed in on Benedict's performance because he seemed particularly at ease in knowing how to carry a british comedic sensibility yeah um there were there were just some of his like guffaws and looks and reactions and um just some of the the ways that he was carrying himself that felt very appropriately british there was almost something john cleese-esque at moments i love i love the thing that he keeps sorry Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. No, I love, I love that he kept going back to, she missed the couch again. We bought the yes, baby yes. couch. That was such a little fun <laughs> aside. He, he, he just felt very at ease in this character. And you could just, you could tell that he knew exactly how to dial in and play this character. Um, not that, you know, it's a particularly deep character, but nonetheless, uh, it was, it was fun. I, I like that after they, make it absolutely clear that there's nothing that's going to stop these fits from uh, ending up causing Mikey day trauma. 
they do this thing where Benedict Cumberbatch is having his spell and he's spinning around Mikey day and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, is it going to be now? Is it going to be now? Is it going to be now? And he like stops and steadies himself before he actually has like the death blow on Mikey day and, Mm -hmm. and sends the soup flying. And it just telegraphs how, uh, obviously not organic these fits are and that just you know it just makes the comedy a little bit better um so i just like that it's when they have enough time to make sure that they're punctuating the physical comedy with a little bit of added context and just like selling it a little bit more um i don't know i like that so uh this i I will say for me i will say i love that you brought up uh john cleese because one of my notes one of the writer is uh what i wrote down was uh Benedict string 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 bean kind of legs kind of like fallback mm. was very reminiscent of like uh John Cleese and Faulty Towers like anytime sure. you have to just kind of like a whoa, whoa like that whole <laughs> it was it was uh, it, it was a bit of a surprise to see how physical he can get I thought that was very he was very funny he was very good in the role you know well you were wondering if we were going to have good chemistry here Patrick we are like simpatico we are on the Yee! same way John Cleese references uh yeah. All right, so uh, I, th- I think we're off to a good start for the back half of the show. Let's talk about our pre-tape here. The Recline from Kohler is the world's first toilet that brings laid-back casual comfort to the bathroom. Steve, this is a follow-up. Last time Benedict Cumberbatch was on, they did a Kohler ad, but it was like Big Brother 1984. Yeah, And now okay. they're doing like Dead Poet Society sort right. of thing. But they were harping uh, on that Apple ad, right? The right, because you've never seen the Apple ad. We've been yeah. doing this cast for way too long. <laughs> uh, but what'd you make of this one for our second outing with uh, the, the Kohler novelty toilets? Oh, man. Uh, the setup was a little reminiscent of like uh, Mr. Was it Mr. Bunting? Farewell, Mr. Bunting. Farewell, yeah. Mr. Bunting. Yeah, there was a dead poet's angle to the, the classroom. Part. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it sets it up well. You know, uh, Benedict was looking cool as hell. You know, they really nailed the aesthetic they wanted for Benedict. Yeah. Uh, I think they made him, you know, as cool as he could possibly look in that moment when he, you know, uh, undoes his belt and drops his pants, you know, it, it, it breaks it so well to dress him up so well and then have him just drop his pants below his knees. You know, nobody looks cool doing that. <laughs> the fact that they're playing it so straight, yeah. uh, works so well. And the sound design, like they have like gun cocking sounds when he's like <laughs> undoing his belt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so cringy. And then, like, what is he having? Like a like a scotch on that thing while he's <laughs> while he's while he's rec- reclined. Like, you know, when they weren't showing his bare legs, he actually still looked pretty cool uh, mm-hmm. on that toilet. Uh, so, yeah, the 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 uh, all of the the filmmaking elements that went into uh, selling this style worked really well for me. But yeah, it's 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 so absurd the the thought that. Uh, I don't know if I could get in that position. I don't know how well I would perform no. on the toilet. I feel like it would just close everything up and I'd be there. I'd be comfortable, but I wouldn't be yeah, going anywhere for a while. Yeah, let, Let's, let's dig deeper on this. Uh, that's <laughs> definitely the visual we want to be putting in our audience's mind. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want this more than anything. I've never if you're not wanted, thinking about this already. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Sean. This is, this is Did all I want. Watch it? I, I would, I, I want this product. I want it to be real. I, <laughs> I want it so bad. I love, I really love the idea. I think it's a funny bit, but more realistically, I think it's a product I would buy. What idiot would buy this? Me. The second I saw this, (laughs) I was like, man, take notes, everybody. Cause this, this should be, I don't want flying cars. I don't want to teleport. I want to recline while I poo. 
And just it, oh man, I, it looks so comfortable to me. I, I, I just, I can, I, I can, I can squeeze one out in every, any position. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, I wish I had a brilliant take on this. It was fun. Just the thought that Benedict Cumberbatch could be dropping a deuce in all those like awesome hero <laughs> poses. It, it's, it's just a funny, it, it's just at its core, a funny idea. And so when you, you take SNL's production budget and a kick-ass director and you just st- mix them all together, um, they can take a funny idea like that and they can just really bring it home. And uh, yeah, I had fun with this. I thought this was really, really good. But obviously what everyone's been waiting for is our analysis of the Chuck E. Cheese sketch. So why don't we just uh, roll right on? Because at Chuck E. Cheese, 80s British band Reflection Denied sub in for Chucky and the pizza time band. Uh, okay. Steve, you are a de facto, uh, music monkey. What did you make of the sketch? <laughs> oh man. So great. Uh, I love the little story beat where like, this is all happening because the guy in charge of, you know, the entertainment yeah. happens to like this kind of music. Um, but man, the real, the real praise is, you know, that should be going to whoever wrote and produced this song because yeah. I don't know what you call this genre, like gothic new wave or something, but I've heard this song and <laughs> I've, I've heard people who like actually do this music as their job. You know, this, this is on level with that. And it's, it's so great. Like all day today, I've been deliver me, deliver me. <laughs> oh man. And how well did Benedict and, uh, and Bowen sell this like yeah uh, right yeah especially Benedict like who knew he can sing so well he's such a good singer (laughs) he's a great was on point yeah yeah he's oh my god yeah but it was just like a great opportunity to ham it up and you know no no punches were pulled all the stops were pulled out uh this was great lots of little things for other cast members to do I love Melissa's uh character Mm-hmm. She really uh, seemed to have fun there, especially at the end. We'll just watch her dancing at the end. She's my eye was drawn to her there. Um, yeah. Keenan's bit was great. Uh, everybody. And I think what a, I think I was definitely on board. Uh, what really sold me was when Bowen referred to Chuck E. Cheese in such a proper form, calling him Charles, Charles Entertainment yeah. Cheese. That is his name. That is his, yeah. his, his legal name. <laughs> it's legal. It's on his birth certificate. It, it is. It's 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 if you go to the Chuck E. Cheese website, they just go, Well, Charles Entertainment yeah. Cheese are known as Chuck E. Cheese. So it's a great it's a great joke for the for the true Chuck E. Cheese fans out there. You know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I feel like I've contributed everything of value I can contribute to that sketch. Um yeah. let's talk about Chloe Feynman as SNL's official understudy with a cameo from Elizabeth Olson. Pat? Ooh, this is so this was a cute sketch wasn't it f- so cute i i the entire time was like oh first off like chloe i i think it's 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 fun to see chloe do impressions of other cast members and i i enjoyed when she did kate a little more simply because you could tell that they went off script and they just sure. kind of played around a little bit yeah they locked and down the camera they said have fun for 10 minutes and then we'll figure out what we can do with it basically <laughs> yeah it was kind of like this was, podcast. Yeah, yeah. It was it was so much it was so much fun to see them play off each other. Like the she's she does it she does impressions so she's so incredible at these impressions. 
Um, and I really, I really enjoyed everything. I thought the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and the the Elizabeth Olsen impression was so good. Her coming in and then Benedict Cumberbatch doing the, the multiverse is real. So silly. <laughs> so silly. Had a fun. Also, Chloe hmm. Feynman as Scarlet Witch. He looks fantastic. I think Chloe Feynman it may, it gave me a realization that like one day we all will be part of the Marvel Universe. We understand that. That's how this mm-hmm. world works. Like you and me will all somehow be connected and be part of the Marvel Universe. Uh, Chloe Feynman should definitely be in the Marvel Universe. She's so she just looks like a superhero. Like in the Scarlet Witch suit, I was immediately like Oh man, she could pull it off. She's fantastic. Um, fun sketch. Fun. It was cute. All right. I liked it. Just let her do all of SNL. I would watch that if she's every character. Okay. <laughs> High praise for Chloe Feynman. Steve? Thought it was lovely. Absolutely. The highlights were definitely Kate's impression, uh, but also Cecily's. I think my mm, favorite part yeah. was the Cecily impression. It was. Uh, it was amazingly astute. I think a good impression makes you realize certain quirks and little pieces of, of their persona that you've, you've, it's just gone undetected mm-hmm. in a conscious level. Like subconsciously you knew it was there, but you just had to hear an impression that, that underlines it for you to go, Oh yeah, that is totally them. And I feel like, you know, Cecily, especially that one, you know, that's, that, that's what happened for me. So, uh, as if I needed more, uh, evidence that Chloe is really good at what she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe not so consistent. Like they even made a joke about how high she didn't really have a Heidi impression. <laughs> right. Uh, Melissa's could have been better. Uh, I also oh, I felt thought, I thought bit- she got, I thought she got Melissa's down voice down perfectly though. I oh, feel like you? maybe like face, like, like, like she didn't get the physicality down as well. But vocally, she got Melissa down freaking really well, I think. Yeah, you know? but Steve is a hardcore Melissa monster. Like, yeah. there's oh, something okay. about Melissa's voice that sets his heart a flutter. Um, <laughs> so if anyone was going to be uber critical of a Melissa impression, it, it would be Steve. For sure. I also felt bad for Melissa having to be at this sketch, you know, formerly being the go-to impressionist until Chloe came along. And then she has to sit there like, <laughs> thanks, pal. I hate you. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, pal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they don't seem as uh, close as <laughs> maybe Kate and Chloe. Uh, but yeah, like I, I get it. You know, for Melissa to sit there and be like, hey, burn this sketch where you're the impressionist now. Uh, but hey, I, I'd say Chloe's impression of an impressionist was impressive. Yeah, let's not let's not get too negative about this. This was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it was just it was honestly just a cute sketch all around. It's it hard was. it's hard to like look at this under a microscope and go like, oh well this and this. Where at the end of the day, this is just like a very sweet, charming sketch, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oui, oui. no, it was a good moment for Chloe. Um, she continues to show that she's the whole package with SNL. And, um, you know, as much as it may seem a little weird to um, see the junior cast upstaging the senior cast a little bit, um, it does seem like everyone was, you know, game or at least putting on a on a, a good face. Um, I enjoyed this. I thought this was really strong work from Chloe when she did. Her Cecily impression, she starts doing it. I'm like, that's not what Cecily sounds like. And then Cecily says the next line. And I'm like, oh, that is exactly what Cecily sounds like. Like, like yeah. you said, Steve, you don't really understand 
the the vocal nuance, like the the little the little quirks, until someone exaggerates them just enough that when you hear them right next to the real thing, you're like, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there there were some little moments of brilliance like that in it, and uh, all around pretty pretty strong. You know, simple, but I enjoyed. it. I thought it was a good way to round out the night. Well, that is the rundown. Let's uh, talk about our ratings and reviews. Moment of the night, Steve. What do you got? Oh boy, uh, that is a uh, pretty tough. You know, this is uh, one of those episodes where it's like moment after moment. Um, my moment was probably like we were just talking about. I think Chloe's impression of Cecily uh, was was a pretty wide eyed moment for me. Uh, a Kate impression, it's it's impressive, but. You kind of see, you, you can clearly see the path to a Kate impression. I feel like, you know, obviously I, I've never heard a Cecily impression before. Uh, and I was just so surprised at, you know, what she utilized to make that work. And it was very, it was, it was kind of like a, a shift in my brain almost. So, yeah, uh, it was a, a very, very interesting way to like use a tool like obviously you would use your impressions for celebrities politi- political figures and turning it inwards on the casts uh was such a fun experience and i think cecily's in particular was the one that really really showed me how fun this could be so i think that's i think that's my moment very good what do you got pat my my moment of the night was uh just a simple line let me uh let me nap with your hurt uh i so i yeah i i feel like that they had so many wonderful sayings in that sketch but let me nap with your hurt it's so ridiculous like it it makes sense to me though like i understand (laughs) what they are saying sure but it's so crazy like it's such a crazy thing it's such a silly funny thing so yeah let me nap with your hurt is definitely my uh moment of the night for me very good uh i'm in total agreement with steve on this one i think that that chloe impression sketch was a lot of fun, but she'd already scored a couple wins and then they get to Cecily and you're like, man, that's sharp. And, uh, it was just, it was just that moment where I raise an eyebrow and I go, oh, she's really good. You know, like every, usually every episode has one or two moments where you see a little performance beat that you go, oh yeah, that's why they hired these people. Cause you know, they, they really can deliver when they need to. And uh, yeah, so that, that definitely stood out as my moment. Um, Best sketch overall. What do you got, Pat? Uh, Best sketch for me. This was, this was a tough one because I felt like there were some really good sketches this week, but honestly, man, uh, uh, the lungs down house sketch, the, 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 the the physical kind of a good pratfall. Yep. I love a good pratfall and I really enjoy just Cecily, Cecily strong. Who, uh, spoiler alert, maybe she'll come up in a second. Uh, I, I think, uh, she's so, she's so incredible at physical comedy. When they really let her go, it, it is just, you're, it's a master, you're watching a master at work, you know? And, uh, that whole sketch, I was dying the entire time. I loved, I loved it. I really loved how it, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, it's how do we go, uh, how, how do we end the sketch? Everyone just dance in a circle. <laughs> dance in a circle, we good. <laughs> That's what they do, yeah. jolly old England. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you got, Steve? Best sketch. Oh, it is tough, but um, I gotta go with uh, reflection denied filling in for the Chuck E. Cheese band. Yeah. Okay, uh, 
oh, I mean, we have the songwriting that works so well. Like that song that was produced was just uh, <laughs> uh, not only accurate, but friggin' hilarious in its own right. And then all the characterizations they came up with. Uh, that was that was some great stuff. I'm going with uh, Blue Bunny Ice Cream Focus Group. I, I like the yeah, I like the peas in the pod thing. I liked the the caliber of the acting where so much had to be said without being said. You know, they're couching everything in these dramatic terms and and being very reserved, but at the same time, something smoldering. It's just there was a lot of performance on display there. And then, of course, just the awkwardness of everyone around them that, you know, points out just how bizarre this whole situation is. It just makes for a really fun ride. And uh, I thought Heidi turned in a great performance. It was, uh, I think, standout work for Benedict Cumberbatch. So I think all the elements were there for a great sketch. Moving right along, MVP. Steve? It's our BC, Benny Cumbie. He, okay. He's got it for me. Uh, like I was saying earlier, he uh, he was the humor of most, or if not all, these sketches. Yeah, he was not put on. He they weren't coming up with excuses to have him on screen like some hosts. Right. Um, there was very little hand holding. There was confidence in in how they used it. Yeah, for sure. This was yeah. the Benedict Cumberbatch show. Uh, you know, it was like watching Bizarre with John Viner. You know, this this was John Viner, or is it Viner? I can't remember, but. It's, you know, he was truly leading the sketch show and being the lead of the sketches. And you could tell they, they had no fear in giving him a big, uh, you know, a big bite out of the pie. Yeah, I was, I was surprised that this was only his second time with how incredibly well he held himself the entire show and the quality of his performance. I was, I was genuinely like, oh, I can't believe there's only number two for him. Because I swear I've seen him in this two or two or three times before this, you know. So yeah, 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 he's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, is is he officially your MVP? No, no, no. Oh, okay. How dare you? <laughs> All right. No, you were just is, backing up Steve. <laughs> I was just backing up Steve. Mine is uh, okay. Cecily Strong. Sure. Uh, for for two reasons. One, again, it's it's she's so good in the flashback sketch with the pre tape with with the mother. Uh, she's she's so good playing. You know, an older an older mother and then a teenager and like the being the same character and it felt like the same character still. And mm-hmm. uh the the other one is just like, man, the 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 the, the pratfalls in that one sketch are genius. Like it's it it's such good physical comedy. Like she really is a master. I, I hope that every once in a while, like I feel like every four or five episodes, she does a physical comedy bit. Uh, like and I'm reminded how incredibly talented she is as just a comedian like she's really really like you know it's snl you expect everyone on snl to be the best of the best and i'm always blown away where even knowing that this this is someone who's top tier comedy how funny she is in that sketch Fair enough. i may be a melissa monster but patrick is clearly a cecily obsessively oh i love that i <laughs> wow, love that, that. That landed way better than I thought that was going to land. Good, <laughs> yeah, good on you, Steve. Yeah, if it was just John here, he'd just be like, <laughs> another thing to cut. <laughs> no, you can't cut that. I'm going to bring it back uh, for the rest of the episode. It's, Cecily it's and Cecily. Good. I'm going to get a good. shirt. I'm going to get a shirt that says it. I'm going to make a shirt. Steve, I'm going to make you a shirt that says uh, Melissa Monster, and I'm going to make a shirt that says, yeah, and I'll send it to you. This will be fun awesome. for us. Yeah. We'll wear it next time we're doing one together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that, that just that got way more exciting than I, I thought that was going to get. Um, <laughs> this is why I, Patrick I, tests so well, John. It's true. I agree with both you guys. I, I think that those are the two contenders. Um, and whoever I picked, I was going to give an honorable mention to the other. So I'm glad that they both got some love. I'm going to err on the side of Cecily. I, I yeah. think that she just she was all over the show, did some really great work. And um, she's she's late enough into her contract that we're probably not going to see that much more of her. And uh, it's just nice to see that she's still kind of dominating and she's still just showing why she deserved to be on the show and just continuing to turn in quality work. This was just another good night for Cecily. And uh, yeah, just happy to throw an MVP her way. I am glad she made the last minute decision to do this season. I know it was like a couple of weeks leading up. So it's amazing how close we came to not getting stuff like we saw in this episode. Yeah. 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 She, uh, she, she definitely can hold her own at the show. Now, big question on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Pat, I would give this a decent. I don't think it was great. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was anything this week that was uh that that failed and was just a bad sketch of bomb but i don't think there was anything here that was great there wasn't anything where i was like oh that is that's like sketch of the season for me right. it was very much a run-of-the-mill episode where i was having fun i enjoyed it i felt everyone played to their strengths um and and honestly i felt like the cold open was such a great surprise that it kind of just put me in such a good mood for the rest of the show so it's it shows how important a cold open is to uh, an episode of SNL because it really does set the tone for how the night's going to be. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, th- Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Steve? I'm going up a notch. Okay. It's a great from Steve. It's a great from Steve. Uh, and you know what? There was very few things keeping me from giving it a classic, uh, some more reasonable, some more shallow, like, I feel like if this was the first time we saw the brilliance of the household sign art sketch or the uh, you know flashback uh, showing the reality of motherhood uh, without all the uh, rose-colored gla- glasses, you know, if those were the first time we see- saw those ideas, I'd be like, my God, the brilliance of this episode. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it it changes things when you when it's a recurrence, you know. It's like okay, you've already had that brilliant idea, you're just bringing it back. Uh, but yeah, like the <laughs> all these ideas were were great. You know, there's a reason they were brought back because they're great. Fair <laughs> enough. So on a, a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, I would rate this one competent. Um, yeah, that's a good, it, good so decent. Good yeah. Does Does anyone remember a single flubbed line or missed cue or bad camera cut like was there anything about this show that like you're watching and like oh yeah this is live tv or no. did it just play like these oh, are pros just doing their thing you're forgetting the glaring example in what? uh arcade fire's third song oh where well okay. he got the wrong key and then he forgot yeah. to count them in so he started without the, without them when he finally did get the key sure it took like three attempts to start the song basically yeah so aside from that which i don't lay oh, that yeah. at the feet of the show you know like uh, uh, for everything that is controllable with the show, you know, uh, we have a, a fairly new director stepping in, you know, at the back half of the season. And um, you, you would think that you would see maybe a bit more shakiness as they're passing that torch, Yeah, but everything felt really solid. 
the writing, like you said, Pat, there were no high highs, like, the, mm-hmm. but there were no low lows. This was yeah. right down the middle. There was enough fun fare, maybe not inventive or new fare, but enough fun fare that this was an enjoyable watch. I'm not big on the amount of social commentary that they opted to go with. I understand why they did. That's not what makes a great show for me. Um, but I admit that, you know, update was solid regardless of what they were talking about. Like they, they were definitely doing their job. Um, and the cold open was as inspired as you were going to get. So even if it was more than I wanted topic wise, I can't say that there was anything quality wise that was really lacking. So competent right down the middle. I I think that this was a, a decent without that being a dirty word. I think this was just solid SNL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Dirty word. Okay. So, uh, we'll leave it at that now, Pat, tell us what you're up to. Oh man. I, uh, well, I I've got some fun stuff coming up. I just was reminded at the beginning of this episode, uh, starting this week on my YouTube channel, I'll be having one of those YouTube shorts, little short shows. Uh, my mm-hmm. buddy, uh, Kevin Froelich and I, who are Kevin and Pat is New York's second most popular comedy duo. Uh, we, uh, we are going to be premiering. Well, we haven't premiered. We will be putting up on, uh, YouTube our unsung heroes of SNL, which are our little clippets. So it's a minute long where we just talk about cast members and sketches that we love. Um, and that's premiering this week on my YouTube channel. You search not Pat Riley on YouTube. You'll find it. And then I have a, a, a new uh, comic book coming out. Uh, it's a little zine called uh, A Bear Climbs a Mountain on Webtoons. Also, just search Not Pat Riley and you'll find it. Very oh, good. Cool. I love zines. Steve, yeah. are you chasing any creative muses right now that it, you'd want people to check out? What are you up to? Or are you just knee-deep in CBC stuff? Uh, knee-deep in CBC stuff. There is something that I'm working on, but it's way too early to talk about because okay. I'll probably right. jinx well, it now. Ooh, okay. fancy. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for another day then. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Patrick, it's lovely that uh, we could have you up. I enjoyed this thoroughly. I don't know if you're as into me as I am to you, but uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. John, you were fantastic. I felt I felt you from all the way in Canada, which I assume is 16 mooses tied to a tree, a maple tree, of course. And, mm. uh, you know, uh, you know, your 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 beautiful PM is just standing shirtless on a on a on a mountain over a waterfall. Cause that's what I think of when I think Canada, though, every time I go to Toronto, I'm reminded it's mostly suburbs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those are surprisingly all the fast for, for my igloo. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, r- regardless of all that Canadian racism that you just threw my way. Um, <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed having you up. So thank you so very much. And Steve, you were also here. So that's a thing. <laughs> I am um, here. <laughs> Steve's about it. You can't talk to a Melissa monster like that. All right. Yeah. Fair, fair I'll, enough. I'll, I'll stick my Cecily obsessly's on you. <laughs> <laughs> here he comes. Steve, lovely as always. The next time we talk, it very well may be in person. I don't know if we're going to do anything Ooh. for the patrons or something, but after uh, six plus years of doing this show, we may actually meet <laughs> yeah. for the very first time, <laughs> which I don't know. I think that that's momentous. If, if anyone, you know, has been with us from the beginning, I, I feel like they would appreciate that, that this might actually happen. Um, we're going to, we're going to cross the line from casual work acquaintances to I'm assuming BFF. Um, oh, sure. But nonetheless, uh, we, we will sort all that out when I travel to Newfoundland and uh, look you up. Yes. We'll see if you really are more handsome in person, like you always tell me before well, we start. We'll let rolling. your mom. We'll let your mom uh, be the deciding vote on that one. A yo mama on Mother's Day, <laughs> very tasteless, John. Yeah. Oh, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> um. All right. Why don't we put this out of its misery? Because I, I think we're going off the rails here. 
All right. Thanks so much, guys. And that's a cast. Thanks to Steve Finn and Pat Riley. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Selena Gomez and musical guest Post Malone. Until then, this has been episode number 160 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>